Happy Friday to all. Hope everyone's having a great day. I'm Grindhead Jim. But you probably knew that if you're here already. So, right out of the way, I want to make something clear. Uh, during the intro, I found out that Death Metal Kyle had to cancel his guest appearance today due to really poor weather in Norway. Surprise? Surprise? Who knew Norway had bad weather? It's insane. Norway has perfect weather all the time. Not true. <laughs> it happens. Uh, and that's okay, because you were going to have to hang out with me for at least an hour before you got to him anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean. Okay. Okay. So, last night I got the bright idea that for all of my talk of metal, I don't really talk about metal that much. Yeah. And I've... I've Dropped a few names here and there. I've uh, talked about my time in different bands and so forth. But, like, just my love of metal itself and the actual bands and, like, really digging in a little bit isn't something that I've done a whole lot of here. And I'm, and I'm seeing all these different people doing similar things. And, uh, and, and people come in here and say, hey, you know, we want to hear about it. And I, and I don't really do it. So now I'm going to do it. That's it. You... You've bullied me into talking about metal. I hope you're happy. Uh, all joking aside, though, I do hope everyone's having a great day. And, and today, we are going to start what I am calling the Grind's Head Guide to Metal. Okay? Uh, we may go different genres, different bands. There's going to be an episode, an entire episode just for Napalm Death. I don't know when that's going to happen. But that is a commitment from me to you. Because I, you know, I, I could put them in the Grindcore episode, but then that episode would be like nine hours long, and most of it would be me talking about Napalm Death. But today I figured it would be, you know, the best way to, to do a series like this is to bear in mind that a lot of the people that are listening may not be into heavy metal of any kind. So it's not necessarily a good idea to just jump in with both feet and be like, well, let's talk about this. People will have nothing to relate to. So I want to talk about what it is about the music that I enjoy, how it makes me feel, and maybe even give you some ideas on what type of music you might want to start inching towards if you're curious. Okay? So let's go way back into the 80s. Okay? Speaking of way back from the 80s, JT Corpse, what's going on? JT Corpse, what's going on? Let me give you a shout out, my friend. My little vermin tide motherfucker. <laughs> Mr. Corpse himself, being an awesome gentleman and a budding streamer in his own right. Crispy as fuck. Go check him out. He's one of the best. Um, metal does not suck. We're not going to talk about Bob Marley. Fex Slar says, I think I started with metal in high school. Okay. So for me, it was actually, believe it or not, the seeds were planted in elementary school for me. Um, and you figure by 84, 85, I was listening to a lot of Tears for Fears. Um, and as, hard, as weird as this sounds, the kind of harder-edged pop songs that were out there, because there's a lot of pop songs in the 80s 
that were like that synth pop, you know, that kind of a you know keyboard driven, very rhythmic kind of not hardcore or anything, but it, but it had a kind of a driving beat to it. And um, I, I, I could tell that I liked what I liked, but I didn't know why I liked it. I didn't know what I was looking for. Like, I didn't even know that metal was a thing. And then out of nowhere, this really meh-looking classmate of mine, I mean, he had, like, the Beatles haircut. That's how meh he looked. And he, and he, he hands me, what, babe? The Beatles are meh. <laughs> There they are. <laughs> like you don't look at a beetle and go, "Wow, look at that haircut." You go, "Meh, <laughs> that's a beetle haircut." All right, but, but this my lady's laughing at my description of, of the Beatles, which I like that her laugh can fill up a room, and I could hear it all day. So this kid just hands me a, a dubbed tape, and it just says Metallica on it, and I'm like, "What the fuck is Metallica?" I didn't say fuck, but I would now. What the fuck is this? And it says Metallica on it. And I was like, what the hell? What's Metallica? I, that was my exact words. What's Metallica? And he goes, first of all, it's Metallica. And it's the heaviest thing ever, okay? And I was like, and I, and I, I just didn't understand. He's like, but I think you'll like it. So just take it home, but hide it from your parents, okay? So I did. Took it home, hid it from my parents. And it turned out to be... Um, Songs from Kill 'Em All and from Ride the Lightning. This is before Master of Puppets had come out, I believe. And so I like secretly would listen to it at super low volume. I didn't even have headphones at the time. And then I got headphones that, that summer, and that was how it kind of started. Uh, but I never lost the love for the, the synth pop because I had that driving, you know, urgent emotional impact, right? Um, so Fexlar says about 10 years ago is when they got into the metal. Uh, Corpse says that Corey Hart song, Sunglasses at Night, play on the sea when I was a kid. Okay. Do I know of Circle of Dust? I've heard the name. Couldn't name a tune. Couldn't hum a riff. I don't, I don't know them. I know of them in passing. Okay. Um, so with Metallica, it kind of started. And, and for me, it was... I had never heard guitar quite that biting. I'd never heard the shrieking vocal, like from Kill 'Em All. Um, and then you switch over to like the Ride the Lightning tunes, where there's some decent singing on it. You know, so it was a bit harsh for my young ears, but I knew I liked it. I didn't know why, but I knew I liked it. And you figure by then I was already listening to a little bit of Queen, but I didn't even know how heavy Queen got. I was listening to 80s era Queen, which was a bit on the pop side at, at, in the early part. It was, you know, this is pre-Highlander and shit. So, like, there's this weird space between Flash Gordon and Highlander where there's kind of like Queen was just kind of towing the, the pop a little bit because they wanted to stay relevant. There was one thing Queen always did. They managed to stay relevant for better or for worse. So no matter what was going on, they were in there. Like, they even had a fucking somewhat of a disco album called The Game that Triple H had nothing to do with, right? But in their earliest days, they were a hard rock heavy metal band. I, I think without peer. You know, if you listen to Ogre Battle, 
off of the second Queen album, aptly titled Queen 2. That song is more Iron Maiden than fucking Iron Maiden is. And it came out like five or six years before Iron Maiden was even formed. You, and even if it wasn't a conscious influence... Yeah, boy! Mikey. Mikey, 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 Mikey. What the fuck am I going to do with you, Mikey? You know, I'm trying to have a conversation with my friends. You bust in after having a long-ass party. Well, what do you got there? Uh, you, you, you're bringing ten people into my house? Unannounced? And you're throwing cannolis at me? I got to clean the wall of these fucking cannolis. <laughs> Folks, what you see on the screen, triple X, one, two, three, four, five, is a placeholder for my dear friend and Twitch teammate, Mikey, who is revealing a, a, a brand retooling, a rebranding towards the end of the month. The guy is probably the most entertaining Twitch streamer you may not have heard of. This guy is full blood, the real deal, New York Italian. Says everything you would expect him to say, and about a thousand more things you don't expect him to say. The man's got his own bakery on his fucking stream. Tony, who's really slow at baking cannolis, I might add, okay? But he's come in with a raid with all of his friends, and I want to thank him for sharing the, fr the, the family with me here, uh, and I appreciate you very much. I'm going to go ahead and get your raid response out of the way because you deserve it, and I will explain myself. Explain myself! Because, you know, one has to do that. What am I doing? Mikey, thanks for that raid. I really appreciate you. Really, I do. Let's get a shout out for Mr. Man here. Before I forget. Type in your username at this point. It's really easy. I'm going to miss that. You let them zombies fucking scare you? Sorry. My, my New York accent is horrible. It's like an impression of an impression, and it's not good, and I apologize. Yeah, that's a script inside of uh, Streamlabs bot you can do. So, folks that are new here from Mikey's stream, here's what we're about. It's really simple. We're a mature-rated stream, and we're proud of it. You let your freak flag fly. Whatever it is that you want to be, whoever you are, it is okay here. The only things we ask is that you're not hurting yourself, you're not hurting anybody else, and you're not a bigoted piece of shit. As long as you can follow those rules, be you. I mean, if you want to be, and I'm just saying this as an example of something that would be unexpected, nothing more. If you were a transgendered person who liked to dress up as a furry while eating peanut butter and bacon sandwiches, that's fine. Bring it. Let's do it. I'm in. All right? Just don't be a jackass to the guy next to you who's eating bacon and jelly sandwiches. 
Okay, that's all we ask, all right? Today, we are starting a series called Grind's Head Guide to Metal, all right? And I'm trying to do this in a way that understands that the audience doesn't necessarily, not everyone in my audience, in my community, likes metal. I want to at least talk about why it's important to me. So that's what we're doing. We're starting with how I got into the music. I'm not going to cost you by turning the music way the hell up and saying, you have to listen to this song, you have to listen to this song. I reserve that for my friends on my off time. But when last we left our show, I had just been handed a dub tape of Metallica. Then for me, we're here to refer to as Metallica. And uh, I was listening to some of the early tracks from the first two records, and I, and I dug it. The guitar was very driving. It was reminiscent of some of the Queen I'd listened to at that point, but not a lot. It was something new. And uh, you figure that was 1985. By 86, Master of Puppets had come out. And that album, although a bit harder-edged in some ways uh, than Ride the Lightning, also had a slick produ production, which made it e more easily to... It was easier to digest it, right? So it was all over the shop. It had that range. It had that dynamic feel to it that only Metallica could do. And to me, Metallica really came into its own on Master of Puppets. Um, probably never got better than on Master of Puppets, although I like every Metallica record at least a little bit. Even Load. I like one or two songs off Load. I like one or two songs off a of Reload. Hate the production. Hate the producer. But the songs were, they're okay. And I, I feel like the songs in the Black Album with, with Bob Rock, for example, I don't want to get too far off the beaten path here, but if you listen to the songs on the Black Album, that marriage of Metallica and Bob Rock makes a lot of sense. Those songs were very Bob Rock. You listen to this stuff on load, and you can tell they got Bob Rocketized. <laughs> like, Hero of the Day should have been a shitload heavier than it was off of load um they were trying to make this like black album but like with some twang basically and i i figured this out a couple years ago with metallica all they really want to do is whatever it is you don't expect them to do which is both admirable and frustrating all right, because Lars is big into art. Um, James also, you know, fancies himself an artiste, and they, they definitely are that. They definitely are that, okay? I'm not taking that away from them. But their assertion that they are artists and that they want to stay, you know, creative and fresh and so forth sometimes shoots them in the foot. You know, it wouldn't be so bad. Just sh sit and write a song. You don't have to worry about repeating yourself. I mean, what if every time you sat down and you had to fart, you had to think through the fart and make sure that fart didn't sound like the other fart you'd had previous in life. And every fart had to be unique. Sometimes you just got to fart. Fart out a metal song. It's fine. It does not have to be this agonizing nine-month process. It doesn't. 
Then again, they're multi-million dollar, arguably multi-billionaires at this point. So I probably don't know more than they do about it. But Metallica is a whole other thing. We could probably do an episode on them. So Master of Puppet comes out. I'm hooked. By this time, you know, I'm, I'm, Queen has kind of re-embraced their metal as well. With Like One Vision had come out on Iron Eagle soundtrack, and, uh, which may have been 87. But I'd heard the song. It was out that year. Because uh, it, it was on the soundtrack that came off the Highlander and stuff. And, you know, Prince of the Universe and all this other stuff. Which then led me to explore their back catalog as well. Because Queen's back catalog, as I was saying before, is, is just full of, like, little nods to what would become heavy metal. Way more so, in my opinion, than, like, Sabbath. If you listen to Sabbath, Sabbath is Sabbath, right? Sabbath is Sabbath, Zeppelin is Zeppelin. And the Beatles are the Beatles. And you either like them or you don't. Like the Beatles, I am not a huge Sabbath fan. I'm not. I respect them. I think they write good music, but I'm not going to reach out to turn them on. I'm not. I was never that guy. Someone wants to turn Sabbath on, I'll listen to it and not complain. But I'm never like, ugh, to put on Sabbath, dude. Never. Never that guy. I, I wanted what I wanted when I wanted it. And it wasn't long in my development before I just... Give me the next thing. Give me the next thing. I was insatiable. And, and, and in some ways, I still am. So, like, by the time Queen had gone back to being metal, I had access to Metallica, and they were becoming more and more in tune with their uh, sound. They really were learning who they were. I was like, well, give me everything. And, and slowly, over the next, you know, two, three, four years, I was getting... You know, doled out, you know, Anthrax, and Slayer, and Megadeth. And each band kind of filled a different need that I didn't know I had, right? So Metallica was kind of like, if you want to use a food analogy, it was like meat and potatoes. Like, you could always depend on Metallica for the most part. And, like, Megadeth would be like the, like the seafood. You know, because, like, you get, like, the shrimp cocktail, right? The cocktail sauce, it's a little bit spicy, a little bit sweet. But it was a big piece of butterfly shrimp. You could sink your teeth into it. It was really good, but, but it had finesse. It was a nuanced flavor. That's Megadeth. Anthrax was kind of like, uh, not necessarily candy, but it was something sweeter. Like, it had some chunk to it, but it was, it was sweeter. So it would be like... Like a good, expensive ice cream, right? You didn't want a whole big bowl of it all the time. But if you were in the mood, oh, it just goes down right and it coats your stomach and you feel real happy. Makes you smile. And you don't feel bad for smiling after eating it, right? Whereas if you smile after eating a steak, you're just like, I just fucked it up. You know. And, you know, Slayer... Slayer would be like eating a handful of Slim Jims at once. Like, you know when you're finished, you're going to have a, just a massive, horrible, spicy, 
ass on fire meat shit, but you don't care because it was just so good going down. It was so good going down that you just went, I, I don't care. This is everything I want. Your mouth is on fire. Your ass is on fire. Your stomach's going. Blah, 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 blah. But you had a blast anyway. That's Slayer. Because all these bands had different. They started in different places, literally, but also musically, too. And a lot of them kind of have relations. Like, you know, a lot of people don't bring up the fact that Dave Mustaine, at one point, had Carrie King from Slayer in Megadeth. Dave Mustaine himself was in Metallica when they got signed. And the guys in Metallica, when they went to New York to record their album, rehearsed in front of Anthrax, who changed their sound because of what they heard from Metallica. So all four of those bands are intrinsically linked from their starting point. And then as they, they expand, they develop their sound in kind, right? So, in the same way, me growing up listening to metal, I, I, I just took all of the, basically, if you look at those few starting points with the big four, which no one knew that was the big four at the time, it just was a thing. I wanted more of this. I wanted more of this. And everyone's like, well, how do you discover bands in an, in an era with no internet? And they're, when you're that young, you know, by this time, I'm almost 10. You know, and I look at my 10-year-old stepdaughter, and I think, Jesus Christ, I was young listening to this stuff, which is fine. She listens to metal, and it's fine. Um, but back then, you know, in the 80s when metal was brand new, and everyone was like, it's, it's the devil. Like, that was, that was an argument waiting to happen. That was a visit from child services in waiting, depending upon who you talk to. So it was a bit weird. So how do you find stuff? Here is the secret. You read the thanks list of every album you own. Thanks lists are your best resource to find out the bands that other bands respect and admire. So if you, and the, the theory goes that if you have a band you're really into, um, and you respect what, what their artistic vision is, right? Um, someone they hang out with and like is probably going to be at least something you can relate to. JT says, I remember hiding my Slayer cassette tapes from my mom. I think we all did that to, to a certain point. I mean, I know I did. <laughs> I wasn't buying anything. Everything for me was dubbed until uh, the 90s. Everything was dubbed until the 90s. I didn't buy anything. And then I, started, and then I basically bought all the Queen back catalog. And uh, for the other stuff that I was still into, that I am still into, which is like motion picture soundtracks, I would get as gifts. I would say, I want this, I want this, I want this. So all the stuff I liked, I still liked. But I, I didn't want to spend my money on it. <laughs> so... And you got to figure, too, by that, I'm, I'm still in the Nintendo, and, and, you know, we're still playing with toys at that point, you know. So, you know, your priorities are a little bit different. I hadn't quite gotten the bug that, like, like music, like, it wasn't my main focus at that point. Um, although that it was quickly approaching. You figure, 
87 rolls around and before Christmas at some point, um, someone slips me a tape. Now, bear in mind, I'm listening to Slayer, Metallica, Anthrax, Megadeth, maybe a little overkill in there somewhere. And I'm going from that, and someone slips me a tape that says Napalm Death on it. I'm going straight from Metallica and Slayer to Napalm Death, who were at that time the fastest band in the world. And it sounds, and that first album, Scum, sounds like a bunch of Muppets getting into a death match inside of a dumpster as it falls into a volcano. That's what it sounded like. I didn't know what to make of it, but I knew I liked it. I knew I liked it. And then that led to this weird kind of backtrack where I'm like, well, there's got to be something in between. There has to be something in between. And that was kind of where the whole thing started. JT says, I wasn't scared she'd find my Playboy mags tucked in my mattress. It was the evil imagery I was sure she'd figure out about. You know. Yeah, my mom had that whole thing of she worried about the music stuff. She worried about the Gertie mags, you know. And I'm like, and my dad tried very, very hard to explain to her, like, boys just do boy things. They just, like, boys will listen to rock and they're going to like naked ladies. That's just, that's just par for the course. She didn't always like that answer, but she understood it, so... Basically, you figure by now 87, I've got my first taste of what's called Grindcore, which is where I got the name Grindhead Jim. But now I was like, well, there's thrash, you know, this thrash metal thing, you know, Metallica, Anthrax, Megadeth, Slayer, uh, Exodus, and so forth. And I've got Napalm Death. What's in the middle? And so I started finding out about bands like Death, uh, you know, uh, Possessed, and like Sepultura was coming out at that point. Um, my brain is eluding me at the moment on some of the other bands that were available, like right in that little period of time there. Um, but there was a bunch of stuff, you know. Uh, and there was a lot of underground things that I wouldn't be getting into until like the early 90s because it just wasn't that readily available. And I didn't have a lot of friends that were like really, really heavy into it. Um, the guy that even handed me the Napalm Death tape was himself. He handed it to me because he couldn't handle it. He's like, I can't handle this. I don't want it. You can have it. And if you can't handle it, give it to somebody else. Well, I hung on to it. I don't still have it. I wish that I did. But I haven't bought multiple copies of Napalm Death since then. Okay. Um, but I, I think that really brings up an interesting point when we talk about metal. Where we're basically, you know, why do people listen to heavy metal? Why do people listen to death metal and grindcore and black metal and all this other stuff? I mean, the answers are going to vary depending on who you talk to, but I think at some point, 
especially with males, and, and probably females as well. They may react the same way, but I can only speak from my personal perspective, okay? I'm not trying to mansplain anything. I'm just don't give you my perspective, right? At the time, metal was very much associated with like that masculine aggression, right? And I think some of the aggression, for me anyway, came from this idea that I was just so pumped up by the fact I could dig something, something so drastically heavy. Meaning, it was almost like, I understand this, and other people don't understand this. I feel empowered. And, I, and there are people here that, that get the same thing I get. And if you don't understand, I don't care. But this is mine. This I can hang on to. I can latch on to this. And let it be a part of my identity. Like, like that for me is what you know, heavy metal at least was in the beginning. Now I can't imagine my life without it. It's just part of my identity. Listening to this music. For better or for worse. JT says, back in the other days, grind wasn't as defined as it is today. The line between death metal, thrash, and grind blurred heavily. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I remember an interview on the Live Corruption VHS later DVD where you have Mitch Harris talking about how the harmony the album that was yet to be recorded called Harmony Corruption had a lot of death metal influence. And really, by that, all he really means is it's got some mid-paced elements, and they had Scott Burns doing production, which I'm going to tell you right now, Harmony Corruption is the worst Napalm Death album ever recorded. There, I said it. Harmony Corruption is awful. It is fucking awful. Takes all the teeth out of Napalm Death. Takes all of the energy out of it. it it's, it's like if you were, were going to drink some soda, like some Pepsi, or like, a, like some kind of soda or, 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 or something that has bite to it, like a, a fizzy drink, and then you went to drink it, before you pour it into the glass, you just put a slab of clay on top of the, the glass. And you're trying to pour the soda into the glass, and you're wondering why it's just pouring off the edges. Oh, there's great songs on that record. The production is awful. The presentation is shit. Now, if on that same live corruption recording, like the live version of those tunes, like Mind Snare, amazing. Uh, Suffer the Children, great tune, but I prefer the Peel Sessions version of that song. Um, look at uh, Unfit Earth's pretty cool, but it's better live. Like, for me, it's not the songwriting that's the problem on that album. It's the presentation. The production is shit. It is shit, and I love Scott Burns. To death. I think he didn't understand for a second what Napalm Death needed. I don't think Napalm Death understood what Napalm Death needed. You fast forward to when Colin Richardson does Utopia Banished, and you figure, think about Harmony Corruption produced in the way Utopia Banished was produced. That's the record it should have been, in my opinion. That's my argument. That's my argument about Harmony Corruption. It's not that the songs were poorly written. It's that the way that it was produced, the way it was recorded, it sounds uninspired. It sounds... It sounds like they consciously slowed down the record. It really does. 
it sounds like they went about 10 to 20 BPM slower than they should have for the songs the way they were written. You could tell that Mick was just dragging a little bit, like pop, 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 pop. That was not as fast as he could go. And he, you could tell it was just winding down. It just didn't feel right to me. Didn't feel right. So I'm never going to say that there's bad Napalm Death songs, per se. There are a few where I'm like, I can see what you're doing with this, but I don't like it as much. So I'm not saying the songwriting. I'm saying everything else. So It's cool, though. Fine. <laughs> JT's like, oh, you fucking, you know. And the thing is, a lot of my buddies that all through the years, like, no one's ever come up to me and agreed with me on that. It's always been the controversial opinion. That that album in particular is like, oh, I love that record. I'm like, oh, then you're not a Napalm Death fan. You know, because to me, it's like, if that's your favorite Napalm record, then you don't, you're not on board with what Napalm, what makes Napalm Napalm. And that's okay. I, that doesn't, that's not a criticism of anybody. That is the least Napalm Death sounding Napalm Death record. And I'm including every album in that, right? You know, I would say the closest thing to that would be Words from the Exit Wound, but even that album had some really scathing grind on it. So it's like, what do you do? So, you know, it's a thing. Liberty, what's up? Is that a kid in a teacup? What is that? It's someone in a teacup waving. Pretty cool. JT says, I've never been too hung up on production, no matter what band. If the songwriting hooks capture me, the sound production takes a seat unless it's complete garbage and it's obvious. And I would agree to a certain point. Um, yeah, Failures for God's production is kind of mad, but I, I agree it's a pretty good record. I think Failures for God's has better production than Here and After. Um, or if you look at, like, Broken Hope's Repulsive Conception, Brian Griffin, I don't know what his vendetta is against symbols. That dude compresses cymbals and takes all the high end out of them to the point where it's like, you might as well just give him a cardboard box or better yet, just don't give him any cymbals. And he's just so over-enthusiastic about the guitars. Where it's like, is our drums in this? You know. And again, it sounds kind of flat. Uh... But I think that if you think about these as, you know, meals, right? It's a flavor thing. And, you know, I can certainly dig on an album, even if it has production I don't like. Such as Disincarnate, Streams of the Carrion Kind. It's flat. The songs are amazing. The guitar tone is amazing. But the overall production, kind of flat. Kind of flat. Um... And I'll look past it in some cases, but there are certain bands where it, it, it is more it's more noticeable to the point where I find that it's to the detriment of the songs being presented, right? You know, even the first origin album, where they legitimately and consistently slowed down everything. Because they were concerned that people were not going to be able to handle gravity blasts at the speed that they were writing them. In other words, they were they basically took put the first record out to kind of show people here's what we're doing. 
here's what we're about to kind of get them to hook them. So when you went to see them live and they're playing these songs like 30% faster, you at least, it was legible. It didn't sound like they were just steamrolling over you. I think that was a conscious decision. Then you get to the second album, Triple I, Informers and Human Synthetatus, I think it's called. Um, they redo one of the songs at speed, and it is so much faster. It chops like 30 seconds off the song. And you're like... And, it, and suddenly every, all the chips fall into place, like all the things line up, and you're like, oh, this is what they're going for. So the first album maybe isn't as good as it should have been, but it is a good primer for what they end up doing for the rest of their career, which is like super crazy. Um, so I feel like sometimes you're going to have that with music where you have to be conscious that the average listener may not be ready for it. Um, I get that. But I also kind of go, if you don't get it, you don't get it. Like there's stuff that I wasn't ready for. There's definitely stuff I wasn't ready for at the time. And I slowly came around to, right? Where either I was looking for like the next fast thing or I wanted something that sounded like this. But then on the other hand, there was stuff I would listen to that no one else seemed to be liking, but I thought was brilliant. Because I didn't have a huge allegiance to the death metal sound or the grind sound. There are certain bands that I felt had to have certain elements in order for it to be not legitimate, but to be what I was looking for from that band. And when I first heard Harmony Corruption, I didn't have the criticism that I have for it now. It was just a new Napalm Death album, and I liked it. Then Utopia comes out, and I'm like, why, why didn't Harmony Corruption sound like this? So, but then you get into a controversial band. Like, like death. I I love everything death's ever done. All of it, top to bottom, back to front. Some more than others, and it's, it's going to depend upon what mood I'm in as to which one I like more at the time. My two favorite death albums are Leprosy and Individual Thought Patterns, with no apologies and no asterisks and no caveat. I think those are the two best death records. Now. I like everything else. Like, basically, if it's a scale, those two albums are 10s. Everything else is like a 9 or an 8. So it's not a huge jump. But if I had to pick two, those are the two I'd pick. Because those are just, for me, like, that's, that's it, you know, basically it's like the Desert Island thing. Like, you, those two albums give you pretty much everything that Death has going for it. You know, in terms of a consistent throughput of sound, you know? And it, it, I fucking love those albums. Um, you know, and then like JT says, when I was younger, I was always looking for the next fast, most extreme thing. Now I have to look for hooks and good songwriting, probably why I don't listen to a lot of newer metal. I'm old as fuck too, so of course I listen to most of what I did in my youth. Yes, I'm with you. Every so often something will come along and I'll listen to it. And I'll be like, oh, this is pretty cool. Like Infinite Annihilator. I should not like that band. I shouldn't like that band at all. Because at a glance, they're that stupid slam, slam core bastardization of a lot of stuff that we, you know, grew up on. But if you look closely, they understand good song structure and write really hooky shit. 
and they understand the joke. They, they get the joke of their name. They get the joke of what their peers are doing with Death Note, trying to make it more shocking. They're like, you can't make it more shocking. Just make the music better. And they tend to do that. And I love that band. Love those kids. They're good at what they do. Am I in the mood for it every single day? No. But it's good. And they have some really good, hummable, memorable hooks. Not a lot of bands in that genre can say that. Everyone's like, dun, 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 so angry, eating dead pussy flesh, da, 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 da. You know, it's like, come on, man. Infinite Annihilator, it's good stuff, though. And, you know, you're, I, I think because, you know, and JT, most people should, in here should know, he was, he's, you know, in a band, and I was in, in a band, we played together and stuff. And be, when you make music for, not necessarily for a living, because we didn't make a lot of money, we actually lost money every tour. Um, but when you're doing it at a professional level, okay, it is very difficult to impress someone that, that makes music. So when a person who makes music is impressed by something, you know, for me, that carries more weight. And that, I don't mean any offense to anyone who just listens. But I want to know why. Like, what is it about this? Like, are they doing, like, what is this? And it's not always like, get out the calculator and tell me how many beats per minute or anything. But like, what is it th that they're doing on the instrument that maybe isn't being done? Or are they combining elements that have existed before? You know, and that to me is where like, bands like the Berserker fall in. Where Berserker's like, hardhouse techno with grindcore and a lot of Morbid Angel influence creeping in. With some of the sickest vocals you ever hear anywhere in the world. Ever, to this day, 15 years after their second album, it's still one of the sickest things I've ever heard. First time I heard that record, I had to pull over. I was in my truck. I had to pull over. I could not handle it. I was too disoriented. It was so chaotic. I was like, I, I pulled over. And I'm just staring at the, at the stereo. Like, what the fuck is that that I just bought? And then I slowly, like, I listened to it again. And I listened to it a third time. And I went, I get it. This is good. This is really good. And then I started driving. I'm like, this. and then every so often you'll listen to something that kind of reinvigorates what we were talking about before. That, that empowerment that comes from, I'm into this and you don't understand. Look at me how hard I am. It is a display of power is what it is. You know, all Pantera references aside. And I love Pantera, eat me. So, eat me. Nothing wrong with goddamn Pantera. Nothing. Some Pantera fans are jerks. Nothing wrong with the first Korn record. Korn fans kind of suck. I used to defend Slipknot the same way the first two albums, but I boycotted them for a long time for personal reasons. And I went back and tried to give their music a fair shake. And I, was, and I was like, God, this kind of sucks. Like, whatever I had heard in them at the time was like, it, it, it's gone. It's not enjoyable for me anymore. So time had not treated them well. You know, and I think part of the reason that I gave them a fair shake when they came out was that they were a mainstream band that was trying to shed light on a corner of music that no one was really 
willing to do. There were a lot of bands that were like, started out as like death metal. And then when they got a little bit of success, they kind of buried it like Amorphous. Amorphous was like, no, 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 no. Privilege of evil? That's not us. No, we didn't do that. No, no, Mm-mm-mm-mm. no, 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 no. No, Corellian Esmond was the first thing we ever recorded. You know, Tales of a Thousand Lakes. Oh, yeah, that's, that's her first album. You know, I hated that fucking record. Hated it. Haven't listened to it since. The day it came out, I bought it. I listened to it. I'm like, this sucks. And I took it back. Seriously. Haven't listened to it since. Won't touch it. I would probably like it. Because I love Curly and Isthmus. But Tales from a Thousand Lakes or whatever it's called. Land of Lakes, whatever the fuck that album is. Wouldn't touch it. Every time someone go to put it on, I'm like, I'm going out for a smoke. Or I'm going to go have a drink. Or I'm whatever. That album, I'm just like, nope. I don't want to know. You know? And, uh, and I realize, folks, I'm rambling, and every time we get on for the show, that's what's going to happen. I'll start off with a topic, and then someone's going to say something, I'm like, oh, motherfucker, you know, and that's where it's going to go. And at this point is when uh, Kyle would have come on. Uh, Kyle had to cancel due to poor weather in Norway. Again, who knew Norway had bad weather? I'm shocked. I am shocked. But, you know, so that is what it is. <sighs> now, I'm debating on playing the Division 2 beta live on stream. Part of me wants to play it privately. But, you know, the main reason, all joking aside, I'm worried about streaming it at the same time. So, we can try it but it might tank the stream. <laughs> we can try it. So, but we'll keep talking metal. I'm not going to stop that. That doesn't happen. But I think we're going to start moving towards gameplay here. 